Hey listener, welcome to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hope you survived the experience. The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your hosts, Uncanny Thomas Logue and Mighty Michael Moran. All right, welcome ladies and gentlemen to a very, 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 very special episode of the Comic Relief Podcast. Um, Today we're going to be talking Infinity War. And spoilers right off the bat. Heavy spoiler episode. Yes. Um, so thank you for listening. I'm your host, Thomas Logue. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Moreno. How you doing today, bro? I'm doing good. And so is Moxie, if you can hear her in the background. Absolutely. She sounds like she's doing great. <laughs> she's barking at our neighbor across the street. Same ones who, you know. Yep ran into the house and all that fun stuff oh dude we should totally talk about that talk about my superhero movie <laughs> speaking of heroes uh thomas you you uh you performed a heroic act uh not too long ago about a week or two ago right a week ago exactly on sunday well, what happened uh so i missed the first couple of hits of what was happening we were my wife and i were watching tv we heard a bang bang Third bang was like fairly close. So there I was. We just got back from Mammoth. I was in boxers watching like SVU or something like that. No shirt, no pants, no hat, no socks, no shoes, no gloves, just boxers. Correct. Just box and Christmas yeah. boxers, no less. So Good Merry Christmas with little Christmas trees and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Heard the third bang. I open up the door and I see a dude doing about 40 miles an hour. In reverse, slams into the wife's car, sends it through the garage, and then hits our neighbor's house right on the corner of their house and instantly catches fire. Without, Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Without any time to think about anything else, like, maybe I should go throw on some shoes. Like, there might be broken glass out there. I ran out there because the car was on fire, uh, tried to get the dude out. Uh, I was I was afraid both that, A, the car's going to blow up and take this dude and possibly me with it, or B, this dude's about to put his car in forward and go drive with it on fire. So anyway. Was the dude knocked out or was he... He was awake, incoherent, I should say. Because uh, he was awake, but he was like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know, I don't understand what's happening. And literally, the fire is in his backseat. Like, how do you not know what's going on? Look in your rear mirror and you'll see. Wow. <laughs> so I finally got him out of the car, um, walked him across the street, and he kind of tried to walk away. So I just grabbed him by the shirt, restrained him against the car. And about a minute later, his car went boom. Gas tank exploded. Yeah. Everything Dude. inside the car was incinerated. Neighbor's house caught on fire. About another minute later, there's a second explosion, which they say was the gas line in the neighbor's house. This is your next door neighbor's house. Yes. And you have a car through that got pushed through your garage, right? Garage? Yes. Oh, dude. So, like, our garage got totaled. My wife's car got totaled. And when her car went through the garage, it hit the wall, bounced back, and then hit the front of my car, dented the front of my car, and then ripped off. I guess they're called, like, tire rims or whatever. The plastic piece that goes around the, uh, the tire ripped pretty much all of it off, except for this piece that was dangling. I no longer have a garage. Oh, that sucks. And our neighbor's house is like completely boarded up in the front. Uh, when they oh. when they heard the first explosion, when the car blew, they actually thought a plane in Miramar had crashed because they were further back in the house. They, had, they didn't even understand what was going on. They came out to look to see if there was a plane that had been downed. And then he was like, my house is on fire. Yeah. Dude, that sucks. Yeah. And it sucks because our neighbors there who had their house impacted are like some of the greatest people man they're super super nice uh, the guy and his wife are really really nice and just a, just a little bit of uh of background here uh thomas does live by the marine corps air station and every it's like every few years unfortunately there's typically like an accident whether it's yep. out in the ocean or in a neighborhood or in a canyon I mean, it happens. You have a lot of planes flying overhead. So it is completely believable to think that a small plane has crashed nearby if you hear an explosion in that area. Yep. Dude, that's crazy, man. But you risked your life to save somebody else's life. You, yep. I mean, the way that you just described that explosion, you saved this dude's life. Yeah, I I don't doubt it for a moment. Had I decided, you know what, let me go get some shoes, yeah. the dude wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah, if you, if you were going to go suit up. If I was going to get dressed <laughs> knowing that the news would shortly be arriving afterwards the dude wouldn't be here yeah there is footage of me briefly in my boxers uh on one of the news channels uh restraining yeah. the man so that's great you, do you have a link i do 
All right, let's know. do this. When we post the the podcast on our page, I include a link to your new your news either video or picture. My wife got a, a number of pictures. Uh, after she got herself and the dogs out, she was taking pictures of the fire and the firemen and the cops. SDGE, <laughs> everyone was out here. I got <laughs> to know. I got to know my whole street in boxers, no less. Like everyone knows me as the dude in boxers. Oh, that's hot. That <laughs> is <really> hot. hot. <laughs> At least you you will now be known as the guy in his boxers instead of the uh, guy with the beard. But I'm, I'm glad you're safe, man. I'm glad yeah. the, uh, the person that you saved is safe. And you are truly a hero, my friend. Thank you, much, sir. Much respect. Thank you. All right, man. Speaking of heroes, let's get into this thing, dude. I am ready. So I, am. I, I, I don't even know where. Just uh, Let's just start off with, did you enjoy the movie? How about that? Nice and easy. So I went in. It was just like Civil War, right? There is more characters in this movie than there were in Civil War. I, I already knew I was going to enjoy the movie because this is 10 years in the making. But I, I had it in the back of my head of, this is going to be a really crowded movie with now who are all pretty much A-list uh, actors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, are egos going to get in the way? Like, is there? Are you going to feel like friction? Or are these dudes going to really get along when they have to share the screen time? You know, like when Chris Pratt has to share it with Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. Are those two going to get along? And Benedict Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange, right? Yeah, Doctor Strange, all of them. You go in, or at least for me, I went in and their chemistry was amazing. If if there was friction, they're good actors because I didn't see it. These dudes look like they had an amazing time. Uh, The action was from the get-go. Like the action just starts it starts off literally milliseconds after thor ragnarok right yeah because at the end of thor ragnarok they're in that ship and then thanos's um ship shows up and this movie starts off with thanos's and his children on the ship that thor and them are all on and you're like oh this is like seconds afterwards like okay this is the kind of movie it's gonna be It, 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 again, let's just remind uh, the listeners that they're, this whole podcast is going to be the spoiler. 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 But hopefully I can get this knocked out fairly quick. That's, that's my goal because I'm hyped about this. Just don't edit anything out. Just let it go. Just let it go. So right off the bat, this movie hits you over the head with a two by four. It, it, you know what I like that it does is that it takes away two sort of very common tropes with the MCU movies, right? And they're not necessarily just tropes in general but they're tropes related to the characters themselves so loki tries to pledge his allegiance to thanos secretly conjuring up a dagger in his hand and tries to go for the uh, the jugular uh right. thanos's jugular and of course thanos catches it right away cool They've used that sort of tactic on Loki many times in previous movies, so they've got this one right out of the way at the same time, too, right? And then, back to back, they do the, uh, we have a Hulk scene, right? So, a nice nice callback to the first Avengers movie. Uh, This time, Loki's on the delivering end of (laughs) of the Hulk smashing, but um, what we have is we have Thanos beating up on Hulk right away, just to set the tempo of this movie to let you know that this dude like he takes the hits and he punches right back like he doesn't even stumble he doesn't go flying around he takes the hits and he's like yeah that's your best boom and punches <laughs> right back and like sends hulk flying so you know you know right there marvel always establishes like hulk is one of the most powerful yep. strongest characters and even in, in thor ragnarok where they do the thing with the the hand pad boop welcome Voice activation required. Thor. Access denied. Uh, Thor, son of Odin. Access denied. God of Thunder. Access denied. Strongest Avenger. Access denied. Strongest Avenger. Access denied. Damn you, Stark. Voice activation required. Banner. Welcome, Strongest Avenger. Oh. You know, yeah, and to see someone you already know, like if you don't know who Thanos is, if you're if you're basically new to the Marvel universe strictly through the movies and you know nothing about the comics, they let you know in this movie this dude took it not just one but a couple of hits from Hulk and was like, yeah, okay, you didn't even knock me back, pow, and then sends Hulk flying right there. If you don't know anything about this dude, you should immediately be thinking this dude's like legit, like he is a <laughs> threat. <laughs> so you mentioned something. Uh- uh, really interesting that I, I I didn't really consider. I mean, I've I've always known, even since I was a kid, the Hulk is the strongest character there ever is. 
but the MCU, you're right. They they have planted the seed that the Hulk is the strongest, the Hulk is the greatest, the Hulk is the best since day one, and have never let up on it, and have never even given the uh, you know the nudge to Thor to say that the you know he, he's always even though Thor is probably one of the most powerful beings in the universe, or you know he's up there. It's always mentioned that Hulk is the strongest. Have you ever heard of the uh, the I think it was the, the Klingon trope? Mm, which one? So there's a trope where uh tv shows would have like uh, a strong character right like uh, uh like lieutenant Worf. Yeah, yeah like Worf in in star trek uh, the next generation and what would happen is when they would introduce a like a a serious threat level boss that villain would always knock Worf out or you know best Worf immediately just to let the viewers know viewers know yeah, yeah that they've been put on notice we have a more powerful villain. He's stronger than Worf, and Worf is like a, a warrior, you know? So yep. they did that in this movie, and they used, uh, you know, of course, UKO the Hulk in the first two minutes of the movie. <laughs> you let everybody know this dude yep. means business. Yep. But you know what, though? To, to, to Hulk's credit, to Hulk's credit, because I am a huge fan of the Hulk, um, it took Thanos with the Power Stone to match Hulk's strength and yeah. to, you know, best Hulk. So I would like to see Thanos without the uh, without the Power Stone and just go ahead toe-to-toe with the Hulk. Yeah. Um, but Hulk's pretty bad. The only time I've ever seen it come close where someone might beat the Hulk was in Ragnarok. They're in the arena, and then Thor like charges up, but then they do the electric shock mm-hmm. to his neck and knock him out. So you don't know. Could Thor have won that fight? You don't yes. know. And I love that they did that because it left it open to debate. Yes, the Hulk did not take that loss, so you can't give him that one, right? It probably would have gone Thor's way, but his but record is still clean. Not know. Yeah. Actually, he did get knocked out in Age of Ultron by the Hulkbuster, but but not, not in my head cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of uh, the Hulk being too scared to come out? To me, it added like a, uh, a kind of fun element of uh, comedy. Like when he's in yeah. the Hulkbuster armor, he's like, come on, Hulk. And Hulk's like, they took the Hulk out of the movie in a way that sort of made sense, that made it acceptable. You know, Mark Ruffalo was great in the uh, uh, Hulkbuster armor. He had a lot of great moments, a lot of funny moments, a lot of heroic moments. When he finally gives up on Hulk and says, fine, I'll do it myself. myself. <laughs> and he did it. I mean, yeah. Banner Banner figured it out. I mean, that, that was a great scene. I also like it because, as you said, like we see Thanos punch the Hulk, send him like flying. So we already know that that fight between Hulk and Thanos is done. So there is nothing new that another Hulk fight could have shown. Hulk should have already been pissed off considering how the movie starts. Like there is no reason to hold back at that point. So Hulk would have been probably punching and fighting at his maximum. Oh man, I always I keep going back and forth on Hulk's strength levels, right? Even in the comics, it's never clearly established. Essentially, uh, the Hulk, sort of like Superman as well, is as strong as the story requires him to be. Yep. That can be confusing sometimes because it really sets your expectations up really high. I think it's handled better with the Hulk than it is with Superman. Like, it's acceptable for the Hulk to get knocked out every now and then. A little less so with Superman because dude's like invulnerable, basically. Because with the Hulk, the the way I've always defined Hulk is the more angry he gets... The more the stronger he gets. Whereas Superman, just on a whim, he can fly out into space, fly back into a planet, and use his hands to push a planet back into orbit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, the planet's in space, right? Whatever. There, yeah. There's like this whole non-gravity thing, but you're pushing a planet, bro. <laughs> So like that, Superman has like no limit at all as to what he can do. Yeah. And that's Where, why it's hard it's hard to believe when he flies back down and yeah. then gets punched hard in the face and he gets KO'd. It's yeah. Like, Dude, he just he just moved he, a planet moved out the of planet. Orbit. Maybe you're a little tired, but like the dude just punched <laughs> you in the face and you fell down. Yeah, that's why it's a little harder to buy. Uh with the Hulk, it's it's I mean, it is established he is the strongest ever, and Thanos just beat the brakes off of him two minutes into the movie. 
Great opening act, by the way. Great opening act. So let's talk about it because we're tiptoeing around it. But we've already said there's going to be spoilers. The movie starts with the the ship that Thor is on when he has escaped from Ragnarok. So he escapes the planet with all the Asgardians in the ship, whatever. And they're all in there with Korg and all of them. And the movie starts with everyone laid out pretty much dead except for Thor, Loki, and Heimdall. And uh, sorry, and Hulk. Heimdall does a move to basically send Hulk away using like the rainbow um, bifrost bridge thing mm-hmm. and then he gets killed Loki attempts to as you mentioned tries to stab Thanos in the neck Thanos grabs him and basically says this time there's no resurrection and snaps his neck so right off the bat two as guardians appear to be dead yeah uh, a major one like Loki and Heimdall now is dead. Thor is being restrained by Thanos and that's how the movie starts. Just all this carnage and one of his sons, I don't know the names of them all, but he's like, you are blessed to be, of, you know, to have been killed at the feet of Thanos. Da, da, da. So it's that's like... Ebony Ma. Yeah, dude was creepy as hell. Dude was really creepy. They did a really good job. <laughs> yeah. So you have this like religious pact with how his kids treat Thanos. The, the Black Order was done really well. I mean, unfortunately, they basically killed off all of them is they, it yeah. they all died by the time the movie was over i was okay with it i wasn't uh completely upset but i think that the the heroes needed somebody to defeat right they needed like mini boss <laughs> challenges because thanos essentially comes in mops the floor with, with every mcu yeah <laughs> hero so they had to give uh the heroes someone to like defeat uh, which they do and what i'd like to say is that even though they were all killed you know it's not like they they just died and they were wasted like we see sometimes in the x-men movies where like oh you have a good villain and you just killed them what like no fight no threat no nothing these dudes put up a fight every single time they were smacking everyone around when they went out at least you were like you know what they're dead but they put up a hell of a fight yeah they were serious threats that, yep. that is a great comparison. Granted, we might not even know their names, but they still put up a hell of a fight, man. It was it was satisfying to see the you know the heroes uh, take those guys out. I was like, these dudes put up such a good fight that even if they were some of my favorite characters, I would be okay because they went they didn't go out like. Yep. These, these dudes went out like legitimate freaking threatening villains. Let me just say that I was a wee bit worried because Marvel for the longest time has had the, uh, what do you call it? The distinction of having very bad villains and not bad in like an evil way, bad in a not very entertaining way. Phase one is, is very guilty of this. Uh, phase two as well, right? Let's not talk about the whole Mandarin situation, <laughs> but I think they've really figured it out in phase three. Phase three had the best group of villains. I agree. Than the other ones. And then rounding it off with Thanos, I was really worried that they were going to maybe not screw them up, but not meet expectations, right? So we've we talked about Thanos's uh, origin before and how kind of I wouldn't say cartoonish, but it's one of those stories that that would be tricky to translate it and they changed it he's not trying to court death uh in this movie he is simply sort of a uh a visionary i would say visionary now i wouldn't say visionary what would you what would you call him like a twisted version of a humanitarian i guess right so he sees that he has to take on the burden of eliminating half the life in the universe so that it could remain sustainable because his idea like you said was to wipe out half the universe but it was so that there would be no starvation no overpopulation there would be resources around for everyone they really um what's the word i guess humanized him they gave him a an objective that you could almost sort of agree with like i get why he's doing it but the way you're doing it's probably not the best you know just (laughs) randomly killing like trillions of people they wrote him in a way where he almost feels like he could be the protagonist in the movie it felt like he was not happy about what he was doing and i know they sort of painted him in the in the trailers to be you know the 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 grinning evil villain but when you watch the movie it was quite the opposite actually 
it was. And then there was, you know, there was talk online, of course, because the the Infinity Gauntlet here, you know, it's limited to the imagination, basically, of the wearer. You know, people are asking online, well, why didn't Thanos just blink away the Avengers? You know, why didn't he just kill everybody right off the bat? I mean, honestly, it's because Thanos isn't necessarily a cold-blooded killer like that. He doesn't want to do this. This is his burden. He even says as much that he does it because no one else will bear the burden. He could have gone around snapping everyone's necks or just blinking everyone out of existence and we wouldn't have a movie. It's not like he's getting his rocks off just killing everything like, you know, a traditional villain might. They absolutely nailed Thanos. Um, They wrote him very well. He was a serious threat from beginning to end and they included a lot of great Easter eggs to the original Infinity Gauntlet story. I, I think the best one, the one that everybody was wondering if they were going to include was the the snap of the finger. Yep, the snap of the finger. So they're calling, people are calling it the snappening now. That's like the (laughs) thing. But in the book, that that does indeed happen. He gets the final stone in the gauntlet and it's done really well. You, You guys have probably seen the panels uh but thanos raises the gauntlet up and snaps his finger and blinks half life out of existence the scene oh my god the scene of having stormbreaker (laughs) in his chest thor flying up to him but thanos kind of lifts his head up you know loud chuckling a little bit and says you should have hit me in the head oh and he raises the gauntlet stink snaps his finger man i swear the whole theater gasped when he snapped his fingers oh that gives me chills yeah that was so well done i like the mcu version of what happens after more than i like uh the what happens in the comic yeah so everyone sort of kind of goes in the comic everyone sort of screamingly disappears right it's kind of it's a little maybe spookier or scarier in the comics whereas in the movie everybody sort of just turns to dust yeah really quiet really somber it worked perfectly for a movie, man. No, I was going to say, and there's a few things you, you hit on that I wanted to talk about just real quick. We briefly talked about it at work. So as we said in the previous podcast, you you did the whole basically history of Thanos. And one of the things in the comic is that he's courting death. Like he is doing all this stuff for death, who in Marvel Comics is a female, female Grim Reaper. When he goes for the Soul Stone, you, you know, he appears there and there's that little shadowy wisp uh, we were talking about at work. I thought this is this is it. This is where they're going to show death, and this mm-hmm. is where they're going to bring her in. Because I thought, oh, you know, like she has all the souls in the stone. It's death, and then boom, it's actually Red Skull. Super happy to see Red Skull, dude. That was that was a good twist because I was ready for death. I was ready for death to be there. I was like, oh, shit, they're going to show her, and then <laughs> shows his face, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's like Red Skull. Like we've not seen him for like eight years. <laughs> That was a very nice twist because you know the writers knew what the audience was expecting. Yes. They, they knew that the audience were ex- was expecting death, just like you said. And even as soon as I saw the uh, you know, the the Reaper figure, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh cool, we're gonna they're gonna include this in the story. I know this. And boom, M. Night Shyamalan, guest director. <laughs> and it was good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, that was cool. That was, you know, that's been one of my. I don't, you don't have many complaints in the MCU, but that's been one of my gripes was, uh, you know, them not going back to uh, the Red Skull. And I know they had problems with Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving has come out very publicly and said that he will never do one of these movies again. He will never be the Red Skull again. So they got, they, they did. It was not Hugo Weaving, but they gave us closure on that character, on that story. And the other thing you brought up was the story. Breaker. That whole scene was uh, amazing, dude. The uh, restarting the star? Yeah, restarting the star, the forge, and all that. Because in Ragnarok, as we know, Hela just goes and breaks his hammer. So he has no hammer. So he goes, I thought it was kind of weird that they go to the dwarf who forged it all originally, but he's a giant dwarf. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist where I was like, you actually got an actor who is a short person, but then made him a giant, but then still called him a dwarf. Not, not just any actor to play a giant dwarf peter dinklage from game of thrones i was very happy to see Tyrion, man that was very cool and that whole scene was cool man that was thor again reminding you how powerful he is he took the blast from a star to the face (laughs) like 
minute, two minutes. Minute, you yeah. know what I mean? And the fact that it was Stormbreaker, which for MCU people, they probably don't know. Or, you know, if they're only strictly MCU movie. Uh, Stormbreaker was actually the hammer of Beta Ray Bill, who is actually one of the people who fought Thor to get his power in order to try to save his people. And Odin finally said, hey, he's pretty noble. I'm going to make him a hammer and make it Stormbreaker. So I thought that was yeah. cool that they brought in Stormbreaker. Even though it's not better right Bill, I was like, that's cool that they brought in his hammer. Like, if Thor's getting a new hammer, they use something that already exists in the Marvel Universe comics. And I thought that was great. And... Now, leaves an opening in case they bring in Beta Ray Bill. This is the <laughs> second Beta Ray Bill reference now. Yes, it is. This is reference number two. So it's like, you guys you guys got to quit teasing. We need yeah. a Beta Ray Bill out here. Bring horse face in. Give me my Beta yeah. Ray Bill, damn it. And it, what, what did you, how did you feel about the uh, the handle? I, dude, how it was Groot's arm? Yeah. I liked it where he's that like, oh, we need to make a handle. And he's like, uh, I am Groot. Shunk. <laughs> That nice. was pretty epic, man. As I mean, as as like growing up playing like MMOs and fantasy type games, like this is an epic level weapon. You're going to go through a few uh, end game instances uh, to get this random loot because this thing is bad. Dude, it was amazing. It looked amazing too. Yeah, like the way that that his arms forged around the front of it to oh, make that handle. I was like, ah, yeah, that's <laughs> you're doing everything right. You're doing everything they're, right. They're doing every. They're <laughs> like they're they're dealing uh, aces, man. Yeah. One other thing very similar to that was the Iron Spider's spider legs. Yes. Which I thought was perfect. I, I, I had a very similar reaction to how you just, you know, re- said you reacted to Stormbreaker. It was like, wow, man, you guys can't do anything wrong. They are nailing it. And how they introduced him, like from, you know, preventing him getting sucked out of the ship uh, was perfect. It was total perfection. Literally, it's so hard to say anything bad about this movie. <laughs> yeah, it really. I mean, the only bad thing we, we we'll get to the bad. There is one bad thing. It's the one. It's the only one for me. For me, I'm not uh, completely taken out by it, but I, I know you are. But I do uh, acknowledge the fact that it is something that they have to really figure out. You know, yeah, especially after everything they did in this movie, how excellent this movie was. Mm-hmm. If they do what we were talking about, we'll get to it later. It's gonna make this this movie like that. It's cheapen it. yeah it's gonna cheapen it so they if they're gonna do what i suspect they better do it right let me let me backtrack a little bit here um i, I want to go back to thor real quick man i just want to go back to i'll talk Chris. about that hunk of man anytime yeah. <laughs> pirate angel pirate angel baby Chris Hemsworth delivered probably, and and this is coming after Ragnarok, where I thought Thor was at his best in Ragnarok. He delivers the role so well in this movie. I think he's yeah. one of the Thor is easily one of the standout characters. I think they realized that allowing Chris Hemsworth as Thor to not always be serious. Yeah, it's like they almost wanted him to be the like the straight man, right? And, yeah, and I think they realized like, hey, let's let this dude have a little fun, and they did that with. Thor Ragnarok, and it was a massive success. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do it again in this movie. He has, he does a bunch of kick moments. Like, he also has a bunch of moments where he's doing something like kind of funny, very subtle in his humor. And it just works because you expect this big, hulking dude to always be very serious. I think the part that I love the most about sort of how they've been developing Thor is as he gets sillier, he goes through more and more tragedy, more yeah. and more loss, more and more heartbreak. And in this movie, he's just kind of, I mean, he even acknowledges he's dealing with all this tragedy, all this loss. He lost his hammer. Uh, What was the quote from Ragnarok? Lost my hammer like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. Oh, that's still, yeah. (laughs) And he, he sort of, he kind of like laughs it off shrugs it off gets a little bit sillier and uh they they it seemed like they did that very well in uh in infinity war and he even has a good a great scene with rocket where you would think that you know the dialogue between those two would be over the top silly rocket would be making fun of him but even rocket was a little mature in that scene where he asked him like dude are you sure you're ready for this yeah and thor kind of smiles it off and sort of lists off all the things he's lost and says 
Yeah, you know, my uh, the rage really keeps the mind uh, clean. Clear. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know, Thor and Rabbit would, would be such a great duo. But he's calling a rabbit. I'll go with the rabbit. Since we're there, the dynamic between Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy who find Thor kind of smacks into their windshield and Rocket freaks out where he's like, oh, get it off the windshield, get it off the windshield. <laughs> and then they bring him in. Thor's unconscious and Star-Lord says something about like, oh, who's this dude? And then Drax is like, that's not a dude. That's a man. <laughs> You're, You're a dude. dude. <laughs> that was great. And then Drax later on where he's like, you know, he's got long or, you know, he's strong. He looks like a pirate, but has the body of an angel. He's like a pirate angel. And so Star-Lord's getting all this and then Thor comes to, you know, he's got his deep, manly voice. Yeah. So Star-Lord in return is like, hey, uh, so where are you coming from? And then freaking Rocket calls him out. He's like, hey, Peter, are you uh, deepening your voice? He's like, what are you talking about? This is always my voice. All that dialogue, <laughs> dude. I mean, I was in tears laughing. That was some of the best dialogue I think I've seen in the MCU. Maybe because it's got two of my favorite things together. It's Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. But that was some of the best dialogue in those moments, dude. Dude. Credit to Chris Pratt, man, with uh, Peter Quill. He played insecure so well, well so, so convincingly well that, you know, if you are a fan of Chris Pratt's and if you're a fan of Star-Lord, this is like perfection right there. Like he nailed it. And Drax even calls him out. You remember where he's like, ah, you know, I'm fit too. And then Drax like points at his chin. He's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. and Peter Quill's like, what do you mean? And he's like all insecure about his chin. And the way he cuts in between. Between Thor and Gamora, like when they're talking, he's like, "Hey, so." And then I like that Gamora refused to acknowledge that uh, that Peter Quill was. I, I want to say that he wasn't not fat. Oh like, yeah. yeah. Am I getting fat? And then Gamora just kind of, you know, does like the head nod. <laughs> yeah, like no, nah, let me change the subject real quick. <laughs> they, they, you know, one of the impressive things. Uh, there's many impressive things in this movie, but one of the super impressive things is that they managed to get so many characters in this movie, and the writing still allowed the characters' personalities to come through very clearly and that's one of the things too so in i think it was just our last podcast i said one of my concerns about avengers infinity war is like individual movies like if it's ant-man if it's the guardians of the galaxy if it's thor you see like character moments character growth but when it becomes like the avengers it's just about fighting and yeah. then you know age of ultron is just about fighting this is the first movie i think where it was like civil war you each everyone got a moment to shine and you saw it wasn't just fighting there was a ton of fighting in this movie mm -hmm. but just like what we're just talking about with thor and the guardians everyone kind of also had moments to grow everyone had a, like a great moment it wasn't just like all right we're all together let's go fight oh i lost all right let's do this new plan and go fight again so props to the uh, russo brothers who consulted with the directors of uh the other movies and also they you know they took feedback from the actors as well it was a very big group project it seems like the writing was done so well that it seemed like every group that sort of uh, was running their own mission were doing something that, that that was critical to the story. These writers and uh, you know the Russo brothers in the MCU, they just absolutely nailed the story. Everyone's story seemed to matter. Yes, like no one had like a more urgent mission. It's, it felt like absolutely. I feel like I'm going to keep repeating this over and over and over. <laughs> it was so well done. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is when Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are on Titan and Doctor Strange does a thing where he uses the time stone, glimpses into the future, sees 14 million and one futures or whatever. He says, hey, I've just seen the outcome of us fighting Thanos. And Iron Man says, well, how many did we win? And he goes, out of 14 million, one. When that scene comes and Thanos comes for that time stone and they're fighting and Doctor Strange is like, I'll never give it up, I'll never give it up, never give it up. I think the, the one time that he sees is where he stops fighting and he says, let me give him the time stone. And I know everything that happens after this because I've seen it. Like everyone's going to die and all this is going to go really, really wrong. But this is what is required to defeat Thanos. Yeah, he, he had to give him the time stone. Yeah, he had to stop fighting him and just say, the one future where we win is where I don't fight him and I just give him the time stone at this point. But the end game, the really, really long end game is they will come back from this. 
So one, one thing I'd like to mention quickly, which is um, it was more implied that in the Doctor Strange standalone movie, that Doctor Strange was stuck in that time loop with Dormammu potentially for millions of years. And in that time, Doctor Strange is leveling up his powers. That's why when we run into him after his standalone movie, he seems to be very comfortable in his position of you know sorcerer's total strange. control. And you can even right. see that control in Ragnarok when Thor goes to him and he's just yeah. teleporting Thor around. Yes. And then he even manages to capture Loki. Like he teleports Loki through the floor and then just leaves him falling for 30 minutes when, you know, after all this, Thor's like, well, you know, he summons his hammer back, smashes half of Doctor Strange's house. <laughs> and then he's like, well, can I have my brother back? And he's like, oh, yeah, since you're leaving, boom, and he opens it and then. I have been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> so the fact and that he had a god just stuck in this yeah, infinite trapped. loop of falling, that just shows you, like, this dude's got control of it. He psyched out the god of mischief. Like, Loki was a chump. While we're on the topic of Doctor Strange, I would just like to say that Doctor Strange owned my favorite. Oh, it's, so it's so hard to pick a favorite scene in this movie, but I would argue that Doctor Strange fighting Thanos was probably my uh, my Ant-Man going Giant-Man scene. Giant -Man. <laughs> so since that was your big, like your, your big scene, what was to you the most emotional scene? Oh, man. That is either Thanos and Gamora... Uh, getting the soul stone. No, yeah, no, that was it. Yeah, see, so that was it for me too. Because where uh, Red Skull's like, hey, you know what? In order to get it, you have to sacrifice something you love. And then Gamora starts laughing. She's like, ah, you've never loved anything. You've lost. You don't you see it now? You've lost. And Thanos turns around. He's got that tear in his eye. And then she realizes, oh. <laughs> there is one thing that he has loved and then he takes her and then chucks her into the chasm i was like oh i was visibly like uh damn it like mm, don't cry <laughs> that, that one feels permanent that one i feel yeah. like it's gonna be permanent yeah that was a really really well done scene i love speaking of gamora i do love the scene with G gamora and thanos and nebula where he's like tell me where the soul stone is and then he twists like his hand and like Nebula's like parts start coming apart and she keeps screaming and despite the fighting between Gamora and Nebula but Gamora is willing to reveal the location of the soul stone to save Nebula and yep. I thought dude like that's a deep moment and then to know that her father kills her after or her stepdad I guess because yeah. like Thanos isn't technically her dad now kills her after that like it's ruthless like he tortured his own real daughter which is Nebula because he loved Gamora and knew that Gamora knew the secret. You know, you would think understanding the the danger of if Thanos got this whole stone, she would be like, well, you're probably going to be dead anyway. You know, they could have done that and been like, sorry, mm -hmm. you're going to die anyway. But she didn't. She was like, stop torturing her and I'll tell you where it's at. This is one of those movies where you're like, God, that was a great freaking moment them really establishing gamora and nebula's relationship in the uh, volume two of guardians of the galaxy it was key for this you want to know what another great scene was too that i that it, it, and it, again it wasn't like it was out of the you know the comics or anything like that but when the wakandan army starts charging to the opening of the uh dome, dome. and black panther and uh captain america just like blast ahead of everybody like yeah super oh, start sprinting yeah. <laughs> with that scene also where Groot is like I am Groot and he's like uh, I am Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers. <laughs> uh, Groot says I am Groot and then Thor actually understands what he says and then Rocket's like wait a minute you speak Groot and he's like yeah you know I took it as an elective in Asgard so yeah. Thor knows what Groot is saying. I thought that was awesome, dude. Even though Groot was teenage Groot, which I, I loved, he had a very, very small role in this. But he had some very important scenes, right? He, he of course, was the uh, the handle. His arm, he okay. sacrificed his arm for the handle of Stormbreaker. What yeah. other scenes, man? What other scenes was uh, surprised you? There was a lot that surprised me. You know, after Avengers, we kind of, uh, Age of Ultron, we kind of get a hint that something is developing between Scarlet Witch and Vision. And this is straight out of the comics that, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch, they do have a relationship. They eventually do get married in the comics. Mm -hmm. I do like in the movie that they're in France together. You kind of get this idea that they've been hanging out, that this relationship is developing. So when it comes time 
for Scarlet Witch to make that call, Vision says, if he comes, you have to destroy it and kill me. Like, she is, like, slowly doing it. She's trying to keep Thanos at bay, and she finally realizes, I've got to do it. And there's that emotional moment where she caves, and she is, like, she's a really good actress in that scene because she literally looks miserable when she does it and finally destroys the gem in Vision's forehead. That was a great scene. And the movie does a great job of thinking that she may not pull it off, right? Because she's sort of uh, charging her powers to destroy the Mind Stone while fending off Thanos. So she's kind of, her attention is kind of split. And you think, of course she's not going to destroy it. Thanos should get it, right? He should get it. She's not going to destroy it. And then, boof! She cracks it. Like, whoa, where are they going now? How are they going to do this? You wonder what's going to happen next because she's killed Vision. Yeah. And it seems like, well, okay, Thanos isn't going to get the Infinity Stones now. He won't have them all since he's already got Doctor Strange's flips time back just a few seconds where Vision is still on his knees, takes it right out of his head, and then she gets to see him die, as you said at work, a second time. So not only has she killed Vision, she has now seen him brought back like moments later and then killed again by Thanos. How messed up is that? Like, you made the sacrifice. You finally got it in you to say, you know, I'll do it. Yeah. And then he's brought back and then doop, taken away again. So your your moment of sacrifice was for nothing. Like, oh, am I a bad person? Like, I was willing to do it now. And is it awkward? That was so good. That was so good, dude. <laughs> so, and then we talked about how when they showed Vision, like, all the color drained out of him. And he was just like this whitish kind of gray tone are they going to bring him back as just a robot because now he's missing the mind stone power stone and he won't have jarvis and all that personality in him i think he's just going to be a robot just really quick where thanos pulls the the mind stone out of his forehead was brilliantly done as you mentioned the yeah. white draining you know the color draining out of him thanos his is forehead. digging into vision's forehead to pull the stone out looked painful yeah. I mean, they, they nailed it. Do we want to talk about who lives and who dies since we're pretty far in? A little interesting bit of trivia here. So we talked about the snapping. Uh, before Thanos snaps his fingers, five characters die. After, 12 characters die. Can you name those five characters off the top of your head? Are we counting Heimdall? Yep. So we would have Heimdall, Loki, Gamora. Ooh, two others. Yep. There's one very obvious one. Literally just talked about. Vision? Oh, oh yeah. Well done. <laughs> I guess that's right. That's milliseconds before the snapping. All right. Who's the fifth one? God, I don't know. Who's the fifth one? I don't know. Oh, man. I thought you knew. I thought that's why you were asking me. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you just nail it. <laughs> oh, I do have the. Oh man, let's see who's the fifth one, dude. You have we have to remember. Five is not correct. Loki is one. Hamdel is two. Gamora is three. Vision is four. And that's it, right? Yeah. And then the twelve that disintegrated. Can you name the twelve? So the the ten that die would be Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He is turned to dust. Spider-Man, who has a very emotional moment where he's gripping Tony Stark and saying he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to go. Yeah, he doesn't want to go. And you brought up a good point that like, not only was that an emotional moment, but if you consider that perhaps his spider senses were going off the charts knowing that he's about to die, that's an intense moment, dude. Because he's the only character that sort of acknowledges that something is happening. He starts saying that he doesn't feel good. Feel good, yeah. And he's confused. What's going on? I don't want to go. Nobody else necessarily had that reaction. Everyone kind of, you know, stared at their limbs as they were disappearing. So that is grand for Peter Park. I love that, dude. Then next down the line, we have Doctor Strange bites it. Mm -hmm. Bucky bites Mm -hmm. it as he's walking towards Cap with his gun. Wanda bites it. Falcon bites it. Star-Lord bites it on Titan. Drax bites it mantis bites it and group bites it yeah which literally leaves only rocket from the guardians of the galaxy which if you think about it when he goes to leave with thor he makes a comment of well i guess it's time to be the captain Yep. It's kind of ironic that he is the only one who's left. So that literally does make him currently the captain of standing whatever captain. you want to call Yeah, of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, man. He's going to have to go join the uh, Sly Stallone and the other Ravagers. Yeah, I think it'd just be cool because it would be bringing in the actual original Guardians of the Galaxy because that's who they were representing. Oh, how dope would that be? Yeah. I don't even consider that. The only one that was missing was Yondu because Yondu was an original one. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> rest in peace, Yondu. <laughs> the ones that remain alive, do you want to go down that list? You're still missing two more. Uh, oh, no. 
Didn't I say Drax, Mantis, and Groot? That was all the Guardians. No, you're not missing two more Guardians. You're missing two more characters. Maria Hill and Nick Fury. Oh, at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then who do we have left? So who we have left now is literally pretty much almost the original Avengers. We have Cap, Mm -hmm. Iron Man, Mm -hmm. Thor, Bruce Banner slash Hulk. We still have Black Widow. Uh, War Machine is still around. Rocket flying solo. Nebula. Oh, how do you pronounce her name? Ooki, the warrior chick, yeah, Michonne. Yeah, Michonne. And then probably one of my subtle favorites from Black Panther, Baku. Yeah, the uh, the Russo brothers got a lot of direction from. I won't say a lot, but they they consulted with the other directors. But while they were filming Avengers: Infinity War, uh, a few movies like, for example, uh, Black Panther skyrocketed in popularity before yeah. they, you know, the uh, you know, or while the while the Infinity War was filming that, and I think Ragnarok as well. So. A lot of characters that were extremely popular in those movies with the fans. You think that taking a different approach, if they had enough time to understand the popularity? Yes, yes. There were a few characters that also were sort of MIA. They're not really dead or confirmed dead. And they're not confirmed disappeared. Uh, Ant-Man and Hawkeye, is that who you're talking about? Ant-Man, Hawkeye, uh, Shuri as well. We don't see Shuri. We don't see Valkyrie, right? She was on the ship. That would be a bummer if they did just kill her off panel like that, not give her a fighting chance again. You know, if they would have killed her like fighting Thanos or seeing her fight one of Thanos' kids, that would have been at least cool. But hopefully she didn't just die off panel. Also, Wong. Wong is uh, MIA. Um, And then a few of the smaller characters characters right like the collector is he dead is he not maybe who knows yeah right all the other mcu characters and stuff pepper pots we don't know Uh, that's true too so what do you think that essentially everything is peter quill's fault you know what i'm talking about yes i do agree with it it was so the part that what tom's talking about is where they're trying to take the glove off of uh, thanos so mantis has him sort of subdued he has she has thanos in like a dream state yeah and he's going to sleep thanos is fighting it because he's powerful and he has a gauntlet and the you know the i think it was uh iron man and spider-man are trying to rip the gauntlet off and and dr strange is holding him on one side and then that's when when uh, Peter Quill realizes that Thanos killed Gamora. He overreacts and he knocks Thanos out of his dream state. What's interesting is when Gamora told Peter Quill, if Thanos gets me, you have to promise to kill me. Peter Quill finally says, all right, I will. And so there's that moment where Thanos has her and she's like, do it, Peter, do it, do it, do it. Shoot me, kill me, kill me. And then Peter Quill finally does it. He pulls the trigger and Thanos uses a reality stone to make the laser turn into bubbles. So Peter Quill was willing to do it. He was willing to put Gamora down, but still, when he knew that Thanos had done it to get the Soul Stone, he lost it. This whole movie is like full of good scenes. Yes. We talked about it briefly at work, but one of the other really, really great scenes is the the fight on Wakanda, where Rocket is shooting around, and Winter Soldier grabs him and just starts spinning in a circle with the machine gun. And they do, like like you were saying, kind of a nod back to, to the first Guardians, where Rocket is on Groot's shoulder, shooting like crazy, and then like, Groot's just like spinning in a circle, hitting everything. Like you start thinking of all these like cool combos that you could have with Rocket and somebody else, right? Rocket and the Hulk. Oh, that'd be cool. Who would have thought that the Winter Soldier <laughs> would be dual wheeling his assault rifle and a raccoon and in the air? <laughs> and I love that they once again even do sort of a nod back to the first Guardians, where he's like, "Hey, how much for the arm? It's <laughs> not for sale." Oh, I'm oh. getting that arm. Oh, Rocket and, and, and Winter Soldier that was, that was the pair up that I didn't know I needed. Kind of a bummer that we didn't get to see uh, what happened in Xandar. I was I was a little disappointed in that. Um, I'm hoping they tie it into um, you know Captain Marvel and hopefully a Nova movie in the future. Maybe the second part of the Infinity War movies. Like we were talking about uh, before, I, I, my theory and this is just my kind of where I picture this going here um, with the introduction of Captain Marvel, uh, I think they're going into space. I think yeah. they're going to be going into space a lot more. Um, I mean, we still haven't sort of gone back to Adam Warlock, who 
was a huge player in the comic book. Um, do you think that we could possibly see a Nova movie coming up soon? That's what I'm hoping. The Marvel has supposedly said that it is a potential possibility because I think that's where they're headed. I think they're going to do the Annihilation thing with Annihilus. It's funny because, you know, we're, we're coming off this, like, Infinity War buzz. We're not even coming off of it. We're writing it. And then they drop the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer. And <sighs> so just good. like, yes! And then, of course, we have, you know, Deadpool and Solo. So we have, we have a very busy year. Yep. Good time to be a geek. It's really good time to be, especially a comic geek. All right, man. Well, that wraps up another podcast. Uh, congratulations to the MCU. Ten years, and they absolutely have nailed it. All right, man. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Everyone out there, and uh, you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll see you to infinity and beyond. 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 Thank you for listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. We'll hope you join us next time as we continue to discuss all things comic book related. And until then, make mine marvel. And see. And independent. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast or go to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast and finally there is our Twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast P-O-D-C. I'd like to give a special shout out to Travis Richards, who did the music for the Comic Relief Podcast. Visit his website at www.travisarichards.com. Ackman, uh, Ackman. I, I have about 15 minutes left on my battery, dude. See, and this is why we'd edit is this dead air so that we <laughs> sound professional. All the scrolling country below look in December. What? Oh, just all the scrolling country below looking December brown. Great. I found the list of the. Uh, uh, all of Thor's troubles. Oh, his woes. Yeah. His mother, his girlfriend. He lost his girlfriend through breakup. Oh, breakup, yeah. yeah. Uh, his father, his hammer. Uh, three of his best friends. Yep, his the Warriors. Eye, his evil sister, his homeworld, his best friend, his brother, and half of his race. That's it. So we're good now. It's set to record for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> you sure that's enough time? All right. Um, any any quick notes before we get started? Or are we just going to run through this like a couple of children that we are? Let's just do full speed. Put a brick on the, uh, on the what's it called, on the gas? Yep. Pretty much it'll be just like the movie where we're just going full speed until we get to they kill Black Panther. And you're like, ah!
We're at the end of the podcast. (laughs) 